Well, good morning, everyone. This is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my unassuming studio tucked away somewhere beneath the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2023. October 3rd, that's my older sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Sarah. Uh, we're going to be talking today with a returning, recurring guest. If you've uh, been missing uh, our chats with Lucas Doremus, you're not alone. We have missed him. He's been out traveling and kind of the busyness of life and, and work. But uh, we've got him back on today and so excited to have Lucas back. We're going to be talking about alternatives to mainline uh, technology. Some of you may not uh, remember, but I've mentioned in the past that Lucas is a bit of a technologist himself, uh, working in the IT world. And uh, so, uh, you know, we have a regular weekly podcast with Shane to talk about different issues in AI and technology. But uh, uh, Lucas is going to talk today about some of his expertise in this field and talk about ways in which we can uh, kind of fight back, so to speak, or at least hedge ourselves against uh, some of the technology that has really become so pervasive and, and in many ways dangerous. Uh, so I'll bring Lucas on in just a moment, but I want to start with today with a quick devotional uh, from uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Of course, it's October the 3rd, so I was reading Proverbs 3 early this morning, and you get down to verses 25 and 26, and you read, "'Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes.'" For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now, I've talked about this before. In fact, uh, kind of the nature of things, doing one proverb a day uh, over a period of years, you're going to come back again and again to some of the same verses that stand out to you, uh, depending on what the Lord's doing in your life at that time. And I think we've talked about Proverbs 3, 25 and 26 uh, in the past, uh, because uh, a lot of people with all that's going on in the world, myself included, are facing fears. And the proverb reminds us, do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And that led me to one of my favorite Psalms, and I know I've talked about this many times through the years, and that's Psalm 91, uh, an anonymous Psalm, but such a beautiful Psalm. And I want to take the time to read most of it. Uh, here and just let the words of of scripture really resonate in your heart and and nourish and encourage you and build you up in the faith. You know the word of God is quick and powerful. God's word says in Hebrews four twelve. That means it's living and active. And when we read it, it really is interacting uh, with our spirit and helping to encourage us in the faith. And so the psalmist here uh, speaks of the the safety of remaining close to the Lord and walking with the Lord and recognizing that he's on our side. And it begins, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence you got to remember, this is a thousand years before Christ. It's ancient times, and so some of the dangers and uh, problems that they faced are going to be different from the problems that we face, but we can certainly uh, very easily make the application. So here he's talking about the snare of the fowler as an illustration. He goes on to say, He, God, Yahweh, shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Uh, an obvious zoomorphism there, uh, you know, 
speaking of God's watch care in terms that would re relate to an animal. Uh, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler, uh, and uh, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. He's covering the full gamut. In other words, 24 hours a day, God's got this. God's in control, and he's with you. We never have to worry about God uh, falling asleep or falling down on the job or abandoning us. The psalmist goes on to say, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, the consequence of the wicked. And we know, looking with spiritual eyes, that someday that's going to be the case. You know, uh, this world is sold under sin, and it's a it's a, a fallen world, and and sometimes bad things happen to good people, humanly speaking. But ultimately, our home is in heaven, and one day we will see, indeed, the wicked recompensed for his wickedness, and uh, and we we really long for that day. And really, that's what the God's end times plan with the tribulation period is all about. It's the great equalizer. It's it's when God makes, uh, you know, his, his wrath overflows and all of the injustices of the world are made right. And uh, so uh, we can continue to trust in that uh, today, just as God's people have been trusting in it uh, since the beginning of creation. The psalmist goes on to say, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Again, an obvious figure of speech there that nothing can harm us from God's perspective. And I especially like that last uh, part there where it talks about God giving his angels charge over you. You know, over the last few years, I've really become more and more keenly aware of the spiritual realm and the fact that there is a battle raging between the forces of evil, Satan and his regime, and of course, Almighty God, the creator of the universe and his angels. And God's angels are ministering spirits. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we can count on the fact that even if we can't see it, God is going to protect us. And so this was a really meaningful passage for me to read this morning. You know, we've, uh, we've been so busy and just, I mean, truly, this is a very busy season with the new book coming out and all of the demands that uh, on my time that were associated with that, interviews and uh, just the sheer logistics of shipping uh, the book. Well over 600 copies are now uh, have been shipped directly from Not By Works Ministries, not to count some of the other outlets. And it's just easy to become consumed with the tasks of ministry and forget uh, to, to to wait on the Lord and to trust in the Lord. And so um, I covet your prayers. You know, we we as a family, uh, sometime, Lord willing, I'll share our full uh, testimony of 31 years of marriage now, 35 years of ministry in my case. And, you know, we've had some pretty significant uh, spiritual battles and physical battles. You know, someone emailed me recently and said, uh, 
hey, uh, what's up with, you know, you know, you recently you talked about an undisclosed location where the Notbo Works offices are. Well, that's because it truly is undisclosed. I mean, we we were uh, victims of uh, some pretty uh, serious violence and threat uh, several years ago. And consequently, we've uh, we've actually got, have legal ability to not have our address uh, out there anywhere. And uh, so we have uh, we participate in a protection plan that the, the government allows for victims of violent crime. And uh, so we actually aren't, you know, you're not going to be able to find, at least not easily, uh, where we live. Our Not By Works Ministries office is in Falcon, Colorado. That's where we do our shipping and pick up our mail. It's a P.O. box. But our physical location where I'm sitting right now in my own uh, studio here, uh, separate from the house on our property, uh, that's a pretty secluded location. And that's by design. And it's been that way for years for us, even before we moved to this current place. And that's because we live in a pretty nasty world, and there are some people out there that don't like us. And and I've Wendy and I have said many times uh, uh, since we were married that uh, that it's it's because the Lord has called me and given me a passion for the clarity of the gospel since even before Wendy and I met. Um, uh, that I believe the devil has his crosshairs set right on us. And then when we started NBW Ministries in '99, uh, it just really made him mad. And so we've had some pretty heart-wrenching experiences. Uh, the devil loves to attack families and ministries and anyone that's clear on the gospel. So we covet your prayers. You know, uh, one of the tendencies that I face, uh, especially when I'm, you know, distracted by the everyday pressures of, of ministry and, and and running the business here, um, and, and it is a ministry, but at the same time, we, we, we have letters to respond to, emails to respond to, orders to respond to, people that didn't get their order or they have a question or, you know, these kinds of things. And we try to uh, function with excellence in everything we do and with grace. You know, we don't always succeed. Sometimes we're, you know, we're human. Sometimes you poke the bear enough and he might, uh, you know, get in the flesh a little bit, but that's pretty rare for, for me and certainly for our for the rest of our group here at MBW Ministries. But, you know, if I'm not in the Word regularly, then I those fears begin to creep back in and I begin to think, oh boy, you know, here we are, we're about to head, head out on the road tomorrow uh, for a two-week tour, uh, Prophecy Watchers and Flint Baptist and East Texas and uh, a couple of big, big events that we've been looking forward to all year. In the meantime, while on the road, we're continuing to do interviews. I've got I'm on Jan Markell this coming weekend, the fifth, sixth, and seventh. Same time we're in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, for Prophecy Watchers. We've got other uh, you know recordings coming up and interviews. And it's just uh, I know the devil. That's the perfect opportunity for the devil to kind kind of come in and disrupt things. And of course, anytime you're on the road. Uh, in our NBW mobile, we call it our uh, our uh, suburban that we pull a trailer with all of our product and all the family piles in, and away we go. It's been our our life really for twenty years. Uh, when you're on the road, you're subject to you know uh, car troubles and problems, and so we really do covet your prayers. You know, sometimes I find myself kind of looking for the other shoe to drop and thinking, oh boy, what's going to happen now? And I, I needed that passage today in Psalm ninety-one. I don't know about you, just to remind myself and my family, that God has given his angels charge over us, and he is watching uh, over us. So we really appreciate your prayers. I got a voicemail this morning from a sweet prayer warrior down in Texas, never met her, but she's called in a couple of times. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, she's called in a couple of times, and and she's such a blessing, and she just left a wonderful uh, uh, one of those voicemails that she didn't even know what was going on but and didn't know we needed it, but the Lord knew, and it was really encouraging, so I appreciated 
that. Thanks for your prayers. Pray for Wendy, pray for Brooke and Zoe. Landry and Abby are going to be with us on this trip as well. If you're going to be in the Norman, Oklahoma area this weekend and attending the Prophecy Watchers Conference that starts Thursday in two days, come on out and see us. Stop by the table, say hello. We'd love to put a name with the face. Same thing the following weekend. We'll be down in Texas near Tyler at Flint Baptist Church, a very large church. I'll be speaking three times on Sunday, October the 15th. Uh, come on out and say hello. Especially, uh, I don't want to take you away from your regular church if you live in the area, but on Sunday night, we have a special service there at six o'clock local time, again, at Flint Baptist Church. All of this is posted on our website on the events tab. You can get all the details there, but we'd love to have you come out. Um, and I'm going to be speaking on issues related to the new book at both of these conferences, Spirit of the False Prophet. You can find out more about the book at spiritofthefalseprophet.org, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. And another quick announcement, I want to remind you, we launched our Premier Membership, and we're going to be having our first Zoom meeting exclusively for Premier members on uh, October 10th, one week from today. That'll be while I'm on the road. So next Tuesday, I'm going to do a, a private Zoom meeting with all of our Premier members and give you an update on how things went at the conference, give you some kind of behind-the-scenes reports, answer your questions. It's a Q&A. Uh, and so uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you can go to notbyworks.org, click on the store, and then check out Premier Membership. It's uh, pretty inexpensive. It's just a way to provide an added value for some of our, uh, you know, kind of uh, most loyal members and those that really follow us for a long time. And I'd love to include you in that mix. So check out our Premier Membership. Again, uh, we've already sent out an email and we'll be sending another one out to the Premier Membership list, letting you know about the live Zoom meeting That'll be uh, Tuesday night, October the 10th, one week from today. Speaking of the new store, we've got our free resources section on the new store. And I just posted not long ago an article on apostasia from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, that we're adding more all the time. Every time someone sends me a question and I look in my uh, file folders uh, online on, on my computer and I find an article that I've written or a time that I've addressed it, I, I send it off to Brooke and I say, hey, post this in the free section. Maybe others will benefit from it. So if you're interested in learning more about my view on Second Thess 2 and the, the meaning of the falling away there, uh, apostasia is the Greek word, uh, you can download that article for free at uh, notbyworks.org slash store and then uh, click on the free section there. Uh, one final thing before I bring uh, Lucas on, I want to remind you once again that this week, our World Events Update with Randy will post on Thursday, not Wednesday. And we're doing that on purpose because uh, surely by now everyone knows that tomorrow, October 4th, uh, the uh, government is uh, launching that nationwide system, both on cell phones and TV and radio, to test their emergency uh, alert system. And uh, lots of chatter out there about what's really behind it and what may or may not happen. And we wanted to be able to address that after the fact. And so, uh, plus with my travel, we'll be on the road all day tomorrow. It just made sense to move this week's World Events Update to Thursday. So we do have a podcast that will post uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow on uh, Wednesday, I've got Bill Salas, an interview that I've done with him on future end times wars. And really can't wait to pick his brain. Super nice guy. He needs no introduction, but that's tomorrow. And then on Thursday, you can look for the world events update. So uh, after all of that, now we get to the good stuff, right? Uh, Lucas Doremus, a dear friend, brother in Christ, teacher, a technologist, and uh, just all around great guy. Lucas, welcome back. We missed you. Yeah, I'm still here. 
You're still here. <laughs> so you uh, you did a little family trip right out into the Netherlands. Uh, tell us about that. Well, we went up to Minnesota and did some camping, and it was great, JB. I didn't have to look at a screen for a week. Wow, I think I would kind of go berserk if that happened. I'm I'm so clued into technology, but that's why we need what you're going to be talking about today. How can we prepare for for uh, alternative ways? We're calling this alternatives to mainline technology, and uh, but glad you made it back safe and uh, uh, take it away. Yeah. Well, uh, if you haven't gotten JB's book, uh, get it. Uh, it's very good. Uh, has a lot of great information. I got my copy. I've already finished it, uh, and it's wonderful. I am uh, planning who else to give it to. Um, probably some people I work with in IT, because sometimes we don't make the best decisions, in my opinion, about where mm -hmm. technology is going. So if I can make them aware, all the better. Um, but alternatives to technology. So I'm going to start, and JB, you say this in your book, that Technology, just like, say, money, is morally neutral. You know, technology in itself is not good or bad. Um, because, and here's the thing right now, you are listening to this podcast on technology. We are recording this podcast on technology. So it is not bad. There's a good chance you're listening to this on a Google platform, an Apple platform, maybe Spotify, probably using an Android phone, which is Google, or an iPhone, which is Apple. If you're listening onto a computer, you're probably either using a Mac or Windows computer. So we are not saying that all that technology itself is bad. Uh, it can be very, very helpful. Um, I always think of uh, different stories in the Bible. Uh, one of one of my stories that I think of is the the in going into exile. You know, at the end of Jeremiah, it talks about you know the Israel being carried off into exile. And one thing God says to the Israelites remaining is He says, "Serve the king of Babylon, and you will prosper." Hmm. They they now they didn't, <laughs> and guess what? They didn't prosper. But you kind of think, well, well, how, why would God tell him to serve a, a pagan king? Well, I don't know, except he told Mordecai to serve a pagan king. He told Daniel to serve a pagan king. He told Joseph to serve a pagan king, Pharaoh. You know, so it is not bad that we're using these technologies. We've just got to be smart about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, we live in a fallen world. And so we have to function within systems that Satan may be trying to use to usher in his kingdom. And of course, it's a futile effort because God's already won the victory and God is going to usher in his long awaited kingdom someday. Uh, but uh, it's, it's all about perspective. You're exactly right. Yep. And so I'm going to this is a uh, page 168 where this is escaping the prison planet is the name of the chapter. Uh, in JB's book, but he goes to the five pillars of digital transformation, and they're data harvesting, cloud services, AI algorithms, blockchain technology, and cybersecurity. Now, I'm not you actually you define them, but uh, we're not going to talk about four of them. This is more about the data harvesting one, and so you know you talk about the commodity is data. You know the product is us you know, that kind of thing. The more things you put on Facebook or, you know, Instagram, wherever, the more data you are giving the technocrats and whoever else. And so this, what this podcast is about, is about limiting that amount of data. And there are alternatives um, for how deep the, uh, the AI train is going and how controlled things are getting. There are lots and lots of developers out there that are developing alternatives to those technologies. And we just have to be willing to use them. 
they're not going to scream at you. They're not going to advertise, come use me, you know, download myself. They're not going to do that, but they're out there and we got to look for them. Um, the passage I think of is the parable of the unjust steward. And that's in Luke 16. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically the parable is about this manager of uh, his master's accounts, uh, apparently not doing a very good job. But then what he goes and does to all the master's debtors is he uses money. He lowers their debt to make friends for himself. And so he uses an earthly thing, money, to make friends. And what Jesus says about it is and this is in verse eight, he says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd or wise in their generation than the sons of light. Um, sometimes when you work for a secular corporation, they're actually going to be smarter because their single uh, motivation is really money, profit. And they're going to make decisions on that. And sometimes when you work for a ministry organization, they aren't going to make as wise decisions because they kind of get their judgment clouded because they have other things to uh, kind of think about. Um, I've been involved in different ministries and I've seen a lot of this. And JB, I think you have too um, with some of the stories we've swapped <laughs> where sometimes we don't make a lot of wise decisions. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say before I forget, <clears throat> yeah, one of the messages I'm going to be speaking on in uh, Oklahoma for Prophecy Watchers is called Yuval Noah Harari and the Coming Beast System. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on that. Of course, we have a whole chapter on Harari in uh, Spirit of the False Prophet, the new book, but uh, I always you know, continue to research and dig up things. And I found another interesting uh, article by him and quote, uh, that I think is relevant to this data harvesting that you're talking about. He said, you don't need to send the soldiers in if you have all the data. And it, it really is about control. And, and he's talked about, as I talk about in the book, how everybody's trying to hack you. And, and data is, as you said, uh, the new commodity. Mm -hmm. And so let's, let's break in by talking about why not just use Microsoft, Google, Apple, Mac? Why not just use those? Uh, there's actually some very good reasons to not use those. Uh, the, the first one I have is they are very large corporations, very large. I don't, not sure I can state that enough, and which means they have very big influence. Um, one of the issues is who are they funded by? You know, Google has a parent company. You know, who are they funded by? You know, JBU Go. There's lots of evidence to suggest it's a very NSA uh, guided organization. Uh, they're worldwide. Um, ditto for Microsoft and Apple. If you listen to their, I remember listening a long time ago when this was back in 2020, maybe a month or two after lockdown started, to a conference Microsoft had. And essentially, Microsoft was patting themselves on the back for saving the world in lockdowns because everybody had Windows computers. Wow. You know, and, and I mean, it's just an influence you know, that you have to be aware of. Now, if they have lots of influence and lots of money, they have lots of ability to lobby things. Uh, and if, you know, lobbyists in the government, when you have, you know, purse strings that you can pull on senators and things like that, that's a pretty powerful influence. Um, and I don't think, you know, when Microsoft was called for the anti-monopoly thing, you know, Apple was a while ago. Uh, to me, those are shakedowns. Um, those are the government and Apple or Microsoft, whoever kind of having a conversation about, you know, kind of threatening each other about who's going to win and how to work together. That's just my view on it. But, you know, don't be fooled. They're kind of on the same team. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And on that note, you know, uh, Upton Sinclair famously said, it's difficult to get a man man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. So a lot of these people that with government contracts, man, they just, you know, they don't even want to know, just show me the money. And they're, they're furthering this Luciferian agenda. Mm -hmm. And another thing, if Microsoft, Google, and Apple, if they're so big and most people use their technology, they control the features, whether they're good or bad. Um, how many new applications and things like that do we see? Oh, AI is now integrated into our application. Uh, you know, Photoshop is out there. Uh, it now you can AI, you know, artificially intelligence to build images and to help you with things. Um, do we really want that feature? Do I really want applications that integrate with AI? Well, no, I don't. But who controls the features? Well, Microsoft, Google, and Apple do. And so that's what's going to be implemented, even if we like it or not. Um, something to kind of, which is interesting, uh, there is a local grocery store here in the Midwest and that kind of thing. And there was an article that they are at that store is actually joining with another grocery store. I forget the name of it. The reason they're merging, and they both have hundreds of stores, is to fight antitrust uh, corporations like Walmart and such. And JB, don't you find it interesting that the way we now fight antitrust or monopolies is by making other bigger companies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's why I love what you're talking about on the show today. Is you you know you're kind of connecting some dots for us that we don't we don't think about. I mean, not to get too far afield here, but one of the things that's always been a, a bit of a <clears throat> a bit irksome to me is when people uh, judge others. For for shopping at a certain place or participating in a certain thing or using a certain tool, because you know they they're bad and I've I've boycotted them and you should too and you just want to go well if that's what God's convicted you of that's great good for you but to make that a universal uh, thing for everybody there's a bit of uh, of you know ignorance to that and naivete because you know any you know, anything you use today if you really did the research you're going to find you can trace it back to some yep. one of four or five companies conglomerates so it's not like you can you know really uh you know shield yourself from it all and, and again i'm not trying to pour water on anything that people say oh i'm not going to shop at, shop at target or i'm not going to drink starbucks or whatever if god's put that on your heart you should do that but to make that a legalistic law for everyone i think it's a bit naive to to recognize that the very clothes you're wearing, the very mortgage company you use, the very well, you know, municipality company that you use, they're all tied into to the the system. I remember when when you you were first getting me into this, going down that line of thinking. And you're absolutely right. I think we should avoid, say, you know, buying from Amazon and stuff like that as much as we sh- we can. I think we should, but. Yeah, like you said, to make it a legalistic kind of law, so to speak, that's not biblical. That's what the Pharisees did. Right, right. <laughs> we shouldn't do it. Um, why else shouldn't we use Microsoft, Google, Apple? Well, they're able to build tracking profiles of you. Um, there are lots of videos out there of people being able to document the traffic. Say, when I boot up a Windows computer, it is automatically reaching out to third-party advertisers before I ever even open a web browser. And you can find those, and I would encourage you to go look at them. It is stunning when you start seeing how much data is going back to these companies about how you use it, when you use it, things like that. I remember this same Microsoft conference, um, out out of one side of their mouth, 
they were telling me that every time you turn on your Windows computer, Microsoft knows because it reaches out and it checks in with Microsoft servers if it's online. So they were saying, we've seen Microsoft computers turn on for the first time in two years. Isn't that wonderful? The other side of their mouth, they started talking about um, it, it, in their Edge, their browser, Microsoft Edge, and how safe and private it was. <laughs> it's like it didn't make any sense. You know, it's like, so, you know, when I turn on my computer, but somehow your browser's private, that doesn't line up. <laughs> and as you talk about, they store all that. You yeah. know, your, your phone has the ability to listen in. My wife has done multiple tests where she'll be hanging out with her friends and all of her friends will start getting the same advertisements for things. It's the proximity effect and that, I mean, it just, that, that's not good. Now I'll say that to be fair, not all data, you know, tracking is bad. JB, you know, I'm with you, you know, you have your ministry feedback is good. Yeah. And, and so it is not, you know, if I'm an app maker and I want some feedback about my app or how it's being used, that's not necessarily bad. What matters is how, is it private? Is it anonymous? Is it forced? As in, I can't, you know, consent to it. Those yeah. are the things we have to watch out for. Yeah. Data like technology in and of itself is not bad, right? It's mm -hmm. how you use yep. it and what's the motive behind it and and, and all of that. Uh, but you're right. They, they call that analytics in your world, yep. right? In the IT yep. world. And so I that's a term that I just learned uh, several years ago as we uh, launched our podcast ministry and some of those things. And and now it's, it's second nature. We check the analytics all the time, not in a prideful way, but we want to know how to pray. We want to know where we're reaching people, where, what we can do better. Um, you know, so for example, that's how I mentioned, how I was able to mention recently that, you know, the new book in less than a month has already uh, been uh, purchased in all 50 states and five countries now. Uh, cool. And that's not something that, that, that the only reason that matters is it just shows that God is fulfilling his promise that if you're faithful in little things, he's going to increase your stewardship. And we want, ev we wish everybody on planet earth could hear the gospel clearly and urgently. And, uh, you know, I, we, we don't make a ton of money off of, of the book. In fact, just this morning, literally just before we signed on, someone emailed uh, Not By Works and uh, we were, who said, man, I, I, I've been hearing about your new book. I have your previous two, but man, I, I can't afford it. Things have changed now, but uh, you know, someday I hope to be able to, to, to have the money. We said, send us your address. We're sending you one right now. I mean, we give away books like crazy to people who need it. Now it costs money to, to print these books and make them. So if you, if God, if you've got the resources, we, we hope you'll, you'll buy it or buy it for friends or whatever, but we're not in this for the money. We're in this for the gospel. And God convicted me you know, 35 years ago of how we need to get the gospel right. My very first book I ever wrote was called Getting the Gospel Wrong. You know it uh, well, Lucas. And uh, yes, so, we, so we just, I just want to mention that when we talk about analytics, it's to help us see what areas we can improve on and uh, where we can do better. Yep. So yeah, and just to, to conclude it again, so not all data tracking or analytics is bad. It's a matter of how it's used. Is it consent? those is it anonymous those sorts of things um so we kind of mentioned that these companies microsoft google so to speak they control the features but they also control the market ask yourself why can you why do you go to you know verizon or you know at&t any of those stores and you only have a choice between android and ios 
you know, now I know there's, you know, Samsung and LG, I know that, but it's either Android or it's Apple. It's one of the two. Um, most people with their web browser, they use Chrome. Um, what, depending on the statistics you look at, it's anywhere between 70 and 90% of web browsers are Chrome. Now, here's a little, here's a little tech talk, and I'm not going to go too deep into this. Most browsers, all but two of them, two mainline ones, are Chrome-based. What that means is they use Chrome's code, and unless they specifically take out the pieces of Chrome that talk back to Google, you are using basically using Chrome. Uh, the only two that don't do that are Firefox and Safari, Safari being uh, Apple's native browser. Now, why is that bad? Well, what that means is that if software developers that develop things for the web see that people only use Chrome, guess what? They're not going to make their stuff compatible for other browsers, which means Google Chrome now has a monopoly on the web browser market, which is bad. <laughs> yeah, and that's just good business for them. I mean, you know, why why would they... Uh... You know why would they spend the time and resources uh, engineering their product for some uh, so, uh, software or for some uh, uh, browser that only less than one percent of people use? You know, I can remember yeah. when I worked with Logos Bible Software for nine and a half years. I was uh, conference speaker and uh, consultant, academic trainer uh, on the side, uh, which was wonderful. As we were starting Not by Works Ministries, it helped kind of provide some income in the early years, the lean years. Uh, but I remember people coming up to me and saying, hey, how come uh, Logos isn't available on, uh, oh, what's the, the third uh, platform that you, you're going to talk about at some Linux. point? Linux. Linux, yeah. They'll say, how come it's not Linux compatible? And I go, well, I wish it were, but, you know, when 99 point whatever, you probably know the exact number of people yeah. use either iOS, you know, Windows, Mac, mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense for them to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars paying engineers to to write write code for that. So, yeah. I mean, that's not yeah. that doesn't mean they're evil. It just results in a evil monopoly, right? <laughs> right. And and here's a here's an interesting fact to go along with that. Mozilla, which is the company that develops Firefox, um, Google uh, contributes millions of dollars to them every year. Why do they do that? Well, Google does it so they're not considered a monopoly <laughs> and, and, and a mm. trust. So mm. it's very interesting that Google, to avoid United States antitrust laws, it's actually cheaper for them to donate millions of dollars than huh. to deal with the law, which means the law is no longer serving its actual purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it's like in the finance industry, you know, these hedge fund companies, they'll they'll happily cheat and do insider trading because the fine is so minuscule. I mean, it might be yep. millions of dollars, but compared to the billions that they're making, it's it's just, you know, not it's worth it, you know. Yep. And so I'll say very publicly, use Firefox because it's not Google Chrome. Hmm. Uh, it's just interesting how the business works in the background. Uh, now, another way they control the market, they reach into other industries. Um, your car has, com you know, computer hardware. They affect that. Um, if you're kind of techie here, why did Microsoft release Windows 11? Well, personally, I think it's because the laptop manufacturers wanted to sell more laptops. Hmm. So you release a new operating system that, by the way, Windows 11 has a lot of hardware requirements. Well, now they have to buy a new laptop because it isn't compatible anymore. Um, 
this kind of software is in cars. It's being used in factories. It's being used in office. So the, the reach of these software things, as we're even more technologically oriented than we are, just becomes massive. Uh, here's something you talk about a lot in your book. It's the idea that these companies now um, more operate on subscription basis rather than owning. Um, you know, you now Microsoft Office, which most people are familiar with, uh, you can actually buy a copy of Microsoft Office, but you're not going to get updated features. They want you to subscribe and therefore pay them every month to get those features. And if you subscribe, that means you don't own it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Microsoft 360, right? Uh, so Microsoft 365, that's like the business platform. Now, what I'm going to talk about next, most people probably haven't heard of it. And it's it's kind of beta, kind of not right now. It's called Windows 365. Hmm. What this is, is you don't even own your operating system, Windows. You actually subscribe to Windows itself. And hmm. so that's just another way you aren't even going to own the operating system you own. Now, what happens with kind of like our most people operate with phones? What if you now have to lease your device? So now you don't own the computer. You don't own the software. And you don't own the operating system. You now own nothing of that computer device you have. And that's and, where technology is going. And you better be happy about it, right? And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and so now there's actually an argument in the software community about the right to fix. Hmm. Do I have the right to fix my own computer? Well, I'll tell you right now, Apple doesn't believe you do. Apple makes their computers so you cannot work on them by yourself. Hmm. Something breaks, you have to send it to an Apple technician. So it's just another aspect where we are not owning what we buy anymore. Wow. You, know, you would think I buy my computer, I own it. I don't think Microsoft and Apple see it that way. Now, this is off a little bit off the subject, but, you know, my conspiratorial mind. Um, uh, and by the way, I, I don't believe in conspiracies except the ones that are true. <laughs> true. Uh, <Yep. laughs> but uh, when you send your computer into Apple, which I, I'm an Apple guy, full full disclosure, <laughs> full confession here. Um I mean, how do you know they're not, you know, harvesting data from it and, and kind of yeah. looking at learning more about you and all that? I mean, they probably you are, don't. right? You don't. Yeah. They can they can pretty easily just make a copy of your whole hard drive hmm. well, well, while you're there. I mean, now, are they doing that personally? Probably not. Uh, but you don't know if they are or aren't. Yeah. You know, there's there's really just not a way to know. But, yeah, they have software where you can just set a hard drive on one device and put an empty one on another and it just copies it. You know, you can yeah. do that kind of stuff. Um, again, I'll say public. I don't think they are, but they could. Yeah. And, 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 and even if every little Apple shop, you know, in the strip center in, in down the road isn't doing it, the fact is evil actors can uh, co-op people within those shops and easily buy them out and say, "Hey, I noticed uh, old Lucas Doremus sent his computer in to be repaired. We'd like to, we'd like to spy on him. Here's, you know, ten thousand dollars if you'll make us a copy of his his hard drive." And that happens all the time. It happens even okay. illegally in 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 the justice system where they, without a warrant, will will get access to to those types of uh, privileged information. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty silly when, say, you know, a certain political figure has an email server that somehow isn't available and we can't find it. You know, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's all controlled. You yeah. Yep, it's okay, convenient. Yeah. Uh, the last, oh, that was a good segue. Uh, convenience of technology is not a convenience. Mm. Um, 
think about it, what does technology really do to us? And I'll just ask this question. Why do we have technology free times? You know, why have, do we now have concerted efforts where we say, well, let's not all not be on our phones and just spend time together. What is technology doing to us? Which, by the way, you should have those times. I'm not saying it's bad that you do. I'm just saying the convenience of technology, is it really a good thing that we're plugged into these devices? Mm. You know, when I, I have no desire ever to have a smartwatch. Yeah because of there's it's tracking all the time and honestly my biggest do i really want to be that connected <laughs> yeah. do i really want to have my wrist ding every time i get a message i don't personally so i mean what is the technology actually doing is it really convenient or not it, yeah no even it's become such a thing that you know people are beginning to realize just the physiology of it the dangers of it all of that that even the operating systems themselves now have internal features where you can track your screen time so that you kind of can see how much you're doing. But I remember the first time I saw a smartwatch or came across one in the early days of them, uh, I was with a guy, a friend, and he had one and <clears throat> he, we were talking and all of a sudden <clears throat> he, he starts talking into his wrist. Mm -hmm. like he was making a call or answering a call or something, or maybe answering a text. I don't remember the exact details, but the point is, we were talking and, and, and he interrupted and talks into his wrist. And I thought, my heavens, what's going on here? Is this guy, you know, yeah. part of the secret service? Is he an FBI agent? Am I about to be, you know, attacked? I mean, what, what's going on? It was really bizarre. And I commented on it. We had a good laugh. And then he ended up giving me one later. He thought, <laughs> neat. And I, I tried it for maybe six weeks, if that, and then gave it away. I, that was years ago. I just, to me, for one thing, I have bad eyesight, bad hearing. It's it's just hard to even function. And I've got a phone. I just didn't I never really understood the convenience of of needing that supplemental extension of your phone. But I don't. I'm not judging people that have it. Uh, I know people in my family. Some of them have it, and that's fine. But uh, I'm with you. It just doesn't. It, it wasn't something that resonated with me. Yeah. And, and that's a good point to bring up. When I say these things, I'm not judging anybody that uses a smartwatch or phone. I have a phone, I use it, you know, but it just, these are questions to realize and things to think about as you're using that technology. And that's the whole point we're trying to get across is, you know, don't get a phone because that's what everybody does. Get a phone because you need it for whatever reason. A phone, and I tell this to my kids, I'm very open with my kids that they will not have a phone for a long time. They're still younger. But I'm so open with them that a phone is a tool. Yeah. It it's, has, it's, yeah. It's Go eyes ahead. wide open is the idea here. Eyes wide yeah. open. I, uh, not to keep stealing the mic from you here, but just a, a little bit of background on us. You know, years ago, we, uh, <clears throat> uh, before Not By Works uh, had really taken off, we still had it, but it was, uh, you know, it was just a, a side ministry and um, we were building it and trying to get the gospel out there. Um we made a decision. We moved to the mountains, very remote, uh, 45 minutes from the nearest gas station or store, terrible uh, internet. So we couldn't do any any podcasting, even if we had wanted to back then. Uh, no live streaming, nothing like that. And I made a decision for a period of time to do just what you just said. I said, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use my smartphone. And at the time, again, not by works ministries, this was probably eight years ago. It was much smaller I wasn't as glued to the phone as I am now for ministry reasons. 
And so I literally left it turned off. <clears throat> when we would go to town, we had a flip phone that we would use just for emergencies uh, because, you know, we it was high altitude in the mountains, a lot of snow for m- much of the year, that kind of thing. And you just, it's just a good idea to have a way to be reached. But it was, it was very refreshing. I got to tell you, it was yeah. like, it didn't take long for me to readjust. Um, but sadly, it didn't take long to readjust back to the old technology way of life sure. because- we moved out of the mountains uh, about so I don't know four years ago, and uh, and and then the Lord just started opening door after door after door, and 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 as you said, in some cases you can't do what you do without uh, without. In fact, I've got a friend who lives in a pretty remote location, and I would love to have him on the program more often. He's a, a creationist, excellent guy, but he only has a sat phone where he lives. Well, you can't exactly do Zoom meetings with a sat with a sat phone. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there there are reasons uh, that you can you can justify uh, using technology such as it is, but you just need to do it eyes wide open. Yeah, and you know, my family get ticked off at me because I don't take my phone everywhere when I leave in the car. I don't necessarily carry it with me. Yeah, you know, and I kind of figure as far as emergencies, you know, literally everyone around me has a phone. If there's an emergency, I can find somebody, and I still memorize phone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know what's funny, and you're young, you're too too young maybe to remember some of this at least as much as I do. But uh, when I was a kid, when I was in junior high school. This was way before technology, way before internet, all that stuff. Oh, well, you are that old, so way. Yeah, I know. Way, I, way I tell you, <laughs> it is old, and I feel older all the day, every day. You know, some people say sixty might be the new forty. For me, fifty-five oh, sorry, is the new eighty. I feel like sometimes. you opened yourself up for that one. Sorry, I know, I know, I did. But I, you know, I would. You know, in the summers, you know, I'm I'm 12 years old. We lived up in the Northeast in Connecticut. And I would take off in the morning. And my mom would give me a dime. That's how much a phone call cost back then. And I would keep it in my shoe. And I would just go and I'd be gone all day. I would walk yeah. to town, play baseball with some friends. And we'd go to have pizza at the Portofino's there in downtown New Fairfield, or we'd, you know, we would just hang out and get, you know, cause trouble. And, and then my mom just knew that I was going to come home for dinner. And if I didn't, I mean, there were no cell phones. You just had to start calling around, calling neighbors. Hey, is JB over there? You know, did, did they come back to your, and it was just, and nobody worried about it. I mean, for the yeah. longest time, it's, it's really fairly novel to think of this 24 seven connectivity, uh, which of course is by design. This is what the Luciferians have been working for. It's going to play right into the hands, as I say in the book of the full spectrum planetary control grid that the false prophets uh, oversees. But we've just so quickly become conditioned to it that I bet it is frustrating to your family when, when they just not available. reach you, they just have to wonder, Hey, uh, you know, where are they? You know? Yep. Yeah, it, it, it is. But, you know, they love me anyway, and they put up with it. So, well, you're a likable guy, Lucas. <laughs> I mean, what's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> well, that you asked the right person, you know, but uh, but anyway, those are those are some reasons not to use, you know, Google, Microsoft, Apple. I'm sure there are more, um, but there's some pretty good reasons. Now, what are the alternatives? Now, the, the big one that I've gotten into and I have fully converted to this is, uh, you know, when you use a computer, you're using an operating system and that's the thing that you know your web browser sits on and you know the thing where you open up the start menu or you see the time in the lower right hand corner that's your operating system um, you don't have to use windows or mac uh, there's an out- alternative out there called linux now the linux world i'll open this up can get very very deep 
Um, it started a long time ago. It's, it's decades old. And uh, th it's basically an operating system that you install on your computer. All you need to use is you need a flash drive, jump drive, whatever you want to call it. And you actually just download a file. Um, you prepare it on the uh, flash drive and then you plug it in and you start up your computer and you can install that on top of Windows or, well, in some cases, Mac. It's a little more difficult, but you can do that. Now, the thing is, people don't want to have to do that. Uh, people want to buy a computer and it just works. They don't want to have to install an operating system. So that can be something to overcome. Um, I will tell you that it took me a while to get into I'm now very comfortable with it, and but it's a learning process. That's kind of why I started with the, uh, you know, the the wise or the wise unjust steward, because it takes a little learning, um, and it can be intimidating, but you can do it. Don't give up. It's lo there's lots and lots to help out there. Uh, it used to be a lot more difficult than it is, and there's communities to help. Um, there are lots and lots of, they call them distributions. There's lots of Linux distributions that are made specifically for people to come from Mac or Windows to get more comfortable with them. Now, why bother using those? Well, one, they're free. Uh, you don't have to pay for it. And the other is they don't track you. Now, there are some Linux distributions that will ask for some data, but you just don't have to do it. You just click no. Um, for the most part, they're not owned by big corporations, and you're going to be a lot safer. Uh, you don't even have to install antivirus software on your Linux computer if you don't want to. You could, but you don't have to. Um, so that is one option. There's lots and lots of help out there. I use Linux. I have fully converted, and honestly, I love it. It's a lot better than Windows or a Mac. But anyway, I won't. You Mac fanboys that are out there, you know, we can fight later if you want. But anyway, right, JB? Because <laughs> I know you. I know you're a Mac guy. So well, I am, and 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 I I've really uh, have been for a long time. Uh, it's not something I necessarily went willingly to, but uh, back when I was in full-time academics teaching at a seminary, the seminary was a Mac shop and they said, Hey, we need everybody to, you know, be on a Mac. And they bought, bought yeah. me a Mac. I was vice president of academics at the time. And so I learned on it and, and never looked back. And uh, so I joke about it. I, I love to, you know, use the laugh lines, joking about Mac or windows and so forth. Yep. But, but truly my wife is a, uh, you know, uh, you know, as a, a Windows person, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I'm I'm kind of jealous. I got to admit, I mean, there are there are some advantages uh, to both. But I've never looked into Linux. And for those who may not know Linux, that's L I N U X. Am I right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. And but it's uh, mm -hmm. it may the day may come when when it really becomes a necessity. Yep. Because those other operating systems, so we're talking about Windows or Mac, they do track you, um, yeah. and they can be now. In a business setting, you're probably going to use Windows or Mac. I've used both in business settings a lot. I actually like both, and I actually dislike both. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very equal when it comes to that. Um, but I would encourage you to go look for it. Um, don't give up. Uh, it can be difficult to start off with. It can be overwhelming because of the options out there. But keep on it. And uh, JB, your listeners, if you ever get questions and emails, you know, you can forward those to me and I can, you know, whatever, I can help people with that. I'd no, love to do it because it's a great opportunity. Absolutely. Now, follow-up question uh, about, you know, tracking if you use uh, Mac or Windows. Um, 
does a, a VPN or what we now have at the office and our home is a DP and a decentralized private network. Will that uh, stop some of the tracking? Uh, it will probably stop some of it, but you're still going to reach out to like with Windows. Windows is still going to check in with Microsoft servers and send certain data. And you can turn a lot of that off. Uh, you can't turn all of it off unless you're really you know, a computer guru into that. But I don't think, I've never heard of a VPN stopping that kind of internet traffic. Yeah. Um, what a VPN does, it essentially encapsulates it in a tunnel that if I'm on the outside, I can't see the data you're sending. But if you're allowing that data to send, it's still going to Microsoft. Or so it'll still get to the destination. But my understanding mm -hmm. is people can't, you know, bad actors can't come in and track you. They can't find your IP address and, and those kinds Correct. of things. Yeah, the, the, we've the, got one that we even, we haven't fired it up yet, but we've got a portable one that you can use to plug in at hotels and places when you're going on guest networks or Starbucks yeah. or whatever. And it'll essentially scramble the signal as well so that you can't be... Uh, tracked at least where you are geographically mm -hmm. does that sound right yes and, and vpns a lot of times what they will do is it will you will your internet will go to the vpn and then that internet will go out of wherever that vpn is so like my work computer i actually come out of somewhere in colorado i think huh. and so when it when it looks to see my location it says i'm in colorado yeah you know, because that's where the VPN is, not where I am, but where the VPN is. Yeah, and that's what so, yeah. this digital, I mean, uh, decentralized private network does is it, it could be all over the world. You know, we can go yes. into the back end and the dashboard and we can kind of see right now we're, we're basically getting Internet from China or we're, we're not probably not China, but, you know, places yeah. like that. Yeah. Yep. And there's a browser out there. It's called Tor, T-O-R, that you could use. And it does exactly that as you open, you go through what's called a Tor browser. And you'll open up YouTube and it'll think you're in Russia yeah. or, you know, something like that. And it's, it's very scrambled in that. Now, so, I remember yeah, he, looking at Tor, uh, into Tor one time, isn't that somehow related to the dark web as well? Uh, yes. That's the only way to get to the dark web is through a Tor browser. Okay. Um, I wasn't going to go into it, but yeah, by the way, you know, if you're looking for like the phishing scams and all that. The phishing scams, when you see them, I can get on the dark web, which is through this Tor browser. I'm not going to go into more detail. I literally go to a website and I just buy a phishing scam. It's that easy. <laughs> like that's huh. how it works. Yep. But you can only get to them. But anyway, uh, I, dig I digress on that. But what you were saying about a VPN, a VPN is better than nothing. Like I personally would try to never get on a public network like a hotel or Starbucks if I can help it. You don't know who else is listening to your internet traffic and data that can get it. But that's a whole security hacking thing. That's probably a different podcast right there. Yeah, well, we may we may <laughs> uh, we may want to do that. And uh, someone yeah. sent me a question recently about uh, the levels of the internet. Apparently, there's like six or eight actual different internets out there, and we most people are just familiar with one. But it, it's a pretty deep. Uh, dark world isn't it the, well the internet was developed by darpa you know mm -hmm. which was the internet web or the uh, sorry the united states weapons you know research division so i don't know about that specifically but i'm gonna guess since the government created the internet not al gore but you know just you know darpa uh they have some things that we don't know about yeah. that are in there now i'm sure somebody does i mean it's out there and there are good and bad hackers 
that can find that kind of stuff. But again, that's a different, that's probably a different conversation to go down that route. Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Um, speaking of operating systems, you can buy computers that are not Windows and Mac. Uh, and so it's something to look into. If you don't want a Windows or Mac computer, and there's some reasons to not get one, you can do that. Uh, the other big one is software. Um, there's the world of open source. Open source basically means that the code that the application is written on is available to anybody. I can look at it. I can know exactly what that code is doing. Um, and I can even change it if I want, you know, and that it's a very community based. Actually, if you go all the way back to the 1960s, all software was uh, open source because hardware was more important back then. You know, when you hear of debugging, uh, that was a real thing. You literally walked into your computer because it was that big and you got the bugs out. You know, that is where that term came from. Huh. Um now, you get to about the 1970s, 67 and 70s, that's when Microsoft and Apple got involved, the Bill Gates, Steve Jobs fiasco, which I'll just say, by the way, Bill Gates was not some, you know, college hippie working out of a garage that somehow, no. not at all. His dad was well connected in the upper echelons of the Luciferian conspiracy. Very. And you look at Steve Jobs, on the other hand, and you start looking at the investors that they got for Apple and Windows. But again, just suffice to say, it was not two Yahoo's in a garage that somehow became two of the biggest companies in the world. No. Um, but, you know, it, that history can be hard to find, but you can find it. But anyway, what happened is that software, they started making closed source software. All that means is I can't see the code. I can't modify it. I can't see it. I can't really know what it's doing. And so that code, that internet thing, you know, when you download an application on your phone and it says, here's all the access rights it needs, you'll see, you know, location and blah, 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 blah. That's, that is nice because it's telling me, but I can't actually see what's happening behind that curtain, so to speak. With open source, you can. So there are alternatives in the open source world that are free and work well to, say, Microsoft Office, to web browsers, video editing, image creation, like a Photoshop alternative, music editing. There's chat apps like, you know, your Microsoft Teams, Slack, that kind of stuff. You can get those productivity apps, note taking, like, you know, the Trellos that are out there and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They're open source to almost anything. And they're pretty good. I use a lot of them. Now, we'll get into some of the problems with alternatives, but I'll encourage people to go out and look for them. If you use, um, you know, something like Slack for chatting and you pay for it, go look for some open source alternatives and you'd be kind of surprised what you'd find out there. Um, don't be overwhelmed. You know, it's kind of a deep subject, but just know that there is software out there free and uh, available to use that you can go get. Um, the last one I'll mention, the alternatives, there are de-Googled phones, um, as in they take a phone and they remove all the pieces that reach out to Google. Hmm. Now, the trade-off with those is once you download, say, like Google Maps, that application is now doing all the same things that Google Maps is doing. So you have to be careful but there are de-Googled phones out there that do work. And from what I, now I probably will be getting one soon because my phone is very, very old and I'm kind of concerned security wise, but I will be trying one of those and we'll see how it works. So let me make sure I'm understanding here. So you, you so it's a de-Googled phone 
So to begin with, we're talking about an Android in that case. An Android, yep. Okay. And so, but you said you could download, you could still download Google Maps, like to use for as a GPS. Yep. So the way they work is they, from the operating system, Android, they remove all the pieces that reach out to Google. But what they also do is you can't, you can get access to say the Google Play Store. But once you start downloading those apps from the Google Play Store, you're kind of putting Google back on your phone. Okay. So it, so if those are things you need, that's probably not a good option. But all I'm saying is it is out there. It's yeah. an option that you can use. So with GPS, which is a huge factor in our lives now, we all use them. Um, it's probably best to use a separate standalone Garmin or, or whatever rather yeah. than the an app on your phone? Um, personally, that's the route I would go. You know, you travel a lot. Mm -hmm. um, not only does using GPS on your phone drain the battery, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, there are things that Google does that say a Garmin might not. Yeah. And it's, some, it's something to consider. Now, there's a trade-off. You know, you're not going to get all the applications that are on the Google Play Store. But again, if we care, that's why I mentioned the wise steward we got to care about this data gathering, data collection thing. It's something to consider. Yeah. And one way to come at it is to recognize that to, to just kind of be aware of these things, study them, listen to podcasts like this one, uh, and then, you know, have them in your hip pocket at such a time when it becomes absolutely necessary to completely go off the grid, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, I mean, technically the phrase off the grid would mean you don't even have a GPS of any kind, but right. I mean, um, you know, uh, it, it, there are some advantages going back to the, to the GPS with both. I mean, I know when we lived up in the mountains, we still live at pretty high elevation, but not way up there where we're used to, you know, if you didn't get a cell phone coverage, your Google maps or Apple maps wouldn't work. So sure. you needed, and I always had tucked away an old Garmin in my door panel to, to where if I got to where there was no cell coverage and I was lost, I could pull it out because it, yeah. it connects to the satellites. And so you can see it. Now, of course, the problem when the old, before smartphones, when people were just using these standalone, uh, uh, you know, uh, GPSs like Magellan and, and uh, uh, the one I just mentioned, Garmin, uh, is they have to be updated regularly. And so as construction yep. happens and new roads open up, if you have an outdated one, it's 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 not going to you know be always accurate. But uh, yeah, I mean, and of course, they can still track you with that. Anything that's connected to any kind of technology can be tracked. But mm -hmm. if you use a smartphone that you're just kind of serving it up on a silver platter. Yep. Um, and so I'll say, some some things that are wrong with the alternatives because I've run into them and I've kind of already mentioned most of them. Um, you know, don't give up. It can be a big pill to swallow. Um, it has been worth it to me to work through it, and there are lots of helpful things out there. Um, sometimes you'll find the communities surrounding those are not always as helpful as you'd like to be. Uh, a quote I saw a while ago, and this is a good way to think about it. Some people want their computers to work and others want to work on their computers. <laughs> and and so it's a good, some people just want to buy a computer and have it work. And I totally get that. But if we're going to read, you know, Spirit of the False Prophet, it's worth a little extra learning and work to make our computers work and not the way they want us to. Mm. And it's worth the effort. Um, sometimes, you know, some of the applications and things, they aren't as good as the paid software. Well, most of the open source software is made by volunteers and they don't have arguably millions of dollars developing, say, Photoshop. And so it's not going to be as good. 
But the question there is, do we really need that, quote, goodness? Or are we okay with something a little less because it's of the trade-off? Yeah, it might not be as good, but it's good enough to do what you want. Right. Right. And that's what I've found is most of the things I use day to day, I don't need that really expensive software that has millions of dollars behind it. I can use the open source thing, give up some of those features and still come out with a really good product. Mm. Um, the, <laughs> the last point I'll point out, and this is something we talk about at work all the time. Be careful about what becomes the standard. Um, I work in IT at my job and I work with Windows all the time. Windows is not great. And for anybody that's used Windows, it's just, it's not very good. What I've found is that that badness of Windows becomes the standard. And so something on Windows breaks, but because everybody's used to it, we go, oh, well, that's just Windows and we work through it. But then we go to an alternative, something doesn't work right. We're like, oh, this is terrible. I'm going back to Windows just because it's familiar. <laughs> and so if you want to go down this route, which I encourage you to, and it's tough, don't let the badness of, say, Windows or something else become the standard. Work through it. Don't give up. To me, it's worth it. Um, mm -hmm. JB, I think I've said this on your show before. In, in my station, I don't go on ministry trips like you. I'm just, a, you know, your average Joe in central Illinois. One of the best ways we can fight this new world order, which we're not going to overcome it. God's prophesied. I'm not going there is to just not participate. Hmm. I think you said it in the book. If I don't give them the data, they can't track me on it. Yeah. They can't control me with data I don't have or they don't have. That's exactly right. Going back to that, uh, what was it? Page 168, you said. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and the, five, go on. the five pillars of the digital transformation, really, of the five, the only one that we can really control is to turn off the spigot and, and, and stop them from having the data to begin with. I mean, mm -hmm. the rest of it, you know, we can't do much about the AI algorithms or the blockchain uh, technology or the cloud, uh, mm -hmm. but we can certainly limit what they have access to and make it harder for them. And I believe that a day is coming, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, where we're going to have to do that to survive. And so, yeah. again, whether you use it now or not, if you if you want to, if, you, if a person wanted to, you can disappear yourself. I mean, yeah. you, there are books written about it. I've looked into it. I've studied it for other things that I've written and shows that I've done. Uh, it's not easy. But if you just cut off all technology and leave it all behind and and don't use any kind of credit card don't do anything that can be tracked be be cognizant of of cameras that are everywhere uh and i mean it it can be done so it's it behooves people to really look into this and be aware of it um and i i applaud and i know you do too and commend people who'd say okay enough's enough and i'm doing it now Praise God, I'm jealous. I wish I could move to a remote bunker somewhere. And we've tried that for periods of time. Um, but for now, I believe the Lord, you know, is using NBW to, to clearly get the gospel out and to encourage believers and to sound the alarm and wake people up and all of those things. So, but I guarantee you, we have a whole file full of data, you know, articles, PDFs, things that we can, you know, run to when the time comes and we've got to unplug. Yep. And I'll, I'll just kind of conclude like this. If no one went and got a vaccine, or as you would say, a gene editing bioinjection, yes. if no one showed up, what would happen? Yeah. 
I mean, just just think about it for a second. If no, you know, let's you know the Target thing that happened in June with their clothing line. If literally for a month no one shopped at Target, what would happen? Right. And it, it, it's something to consider. You know. Yeah, so, and we've seen microcosms of that when people yep. nobody wore a mask. And, you know, the store manager who's, you know, just the franchised tyranny bullying people into it. What right. can they do? I mean, I mean, at that point, they're like, OK, you know, and so, yeah. so there's not much you can do if we if we stick together and, uh, you know, rise up. Mm -hmm. So with this technology stuff, again, if you reach out to JB and he knows my contact information, I can always recommend things. I'd highly encourage you to research it and give it a shot. Uh, it's worth learning, in my opinion. I tell you what we'll do um, with your permission. We'll put a uh, I'm trying to think of the because we get literally thousands of emails and it's just it's we're trying to be better about managing it. And with the last two weeks in particular, we have crossed a threshold of, of just significantly improving our online store and so many other features. It's almost like we ended up hiring two more full-time staff because the stuff that Brooke used to have to do now is automated. It's really cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, if what we might do is just place a, um, I'll ask her the best way to do it, but maybe a PDF in our free section of our store that just says access uh, Lucas or something, and then they can download it and it'll have your email on it. And we don't have to respond to hundreds of emails, but, uh, but yeah, feel free to reach out to us one way or the other. We'll, we'll get you in touch with Lucas. If you have a question now, I'm afraid you're going to get bombarded Lucas, but uh, that's well, all right. I, you're a gracious I, guy. Well, and I hate to open you up to that. I probably should have asked you before we went on the air, but it's one oh. of those topics that it's like a lot of times you need a little help going through and I've been down the road, I research it. So I just want to be a resource and I don't want to overload you or your email server. No, not at all. No. Access to all your email. It's not a security threat. I can be trusted. That's what the government says. So yeah, just, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, no, we don't mind at all. We did the same thing a couple of years ago with Randy when he first came on and, and now he gets, you can ask him, he gets hundreds of emails and he doesn't mind. We do this because we want to help people. Uh, you know, we want to try to make this this deep dark world a little bit safer so yeah feel free to reach out we'll uh, figure out a way to make sure we can get you in touch with uh, with lucas but lucas any closing thoughts oh that was my closing thought i okay. just you know we can uh th th there are things we can do you know jb you kind of mentioned fear and i just finished jb's book there's some scary stuff in there but you know what? There are ways to prepare yourself. You've got a whole guide in the back of the book. And there are lots of other people that do the same thing. And there are ways to prepare ourselves for this. So I think we should. No doubt. Yeah, I'm, I've am i been working on my messages for Prophecy Watchers. And uh, I'm going to close out both of my messages uh, by talking about fear. You know, psychologists, secular humanistic psychologists point out that fear is really the most powerful motivator. And I think that's just from studying human nature. And I think that's why God's word says so much about uh, not being afraid, because God has not given us a spirit of fear. But uh, Marie uh, Curry, uh, who was uh, a French, uh, really Polish, but French physicist and uh, did pioneering research on radioactivity. Some of you may know the name, late 19th, early 20th century. She was the first woman to win a Nobel Prize and, and uh, also the first person to win the Nobel Prize twice, and the only person to win a Nobel Prize in two different scientific fields. Anyway, brilliant lady, uh, but 
Uh, she uh, was known for her honesty and her moderate lifestyle. Uh, supposedly, Albert Einstein once remarked that she was probably the only person who could not be corrupted by fame. But she famously said, quote, nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. And I love that quote, and it's just a great reminder. God has not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7. And uh, we do have an enemy. He's out there, uh, and we want to be aware and alert, but never fear. We want to be prepared, but not scared. So read Psalm 91, folks. I know it'll be an encouragement to you. I read it at the beginning of the program, or at least most of it. Um, reminder once again that to tomorrow we will not have our world uh, events update with Randy. We're going to push that to Thursday this week. So tomorrow, don't miss it. I've got Bill Salas on to talk about his new book, which is called The Future War Prophecies. And I've really just grown to love this man. Uh, we, we don't always agree on the finer details of uh, eschatology, but what I love about the world that I'm in is I get to have these discussions and learn and grow, and, and we're all looking at Scripture and studying Scripture. So, And he's just such a genuine man, and, and most people have followed Bill Salas for many, many years. But he'll be on the program tomorrow, first time on the program, can't wait. Uh, and then on Thursday, we'll have Randy on, and we'll hopefully have a lot to talk about about this uh E, uh, emergency uh, broadcast system that's being emergency alert system that's going to be tested out tomorrow nationwide. So thanks, folks. Pray for us as we travel, and we will uh, talk to you again tomorrow. God bless.